tracking this. This is our, it's like the chapter that we can never get out of. We're going to eventually get out of it, but uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 2 again one more time. Luke chapter 2. And that's a blessing. Uh, Luke chapter 2, starting in verse number 21. Not going to read all of this. Going to kind of skip, skim through here. Uh, but nicer to my spouse. I want to be nicer to my kids. <laughs> right? Till they push those buttons. Um, I, I'm going to whatever. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have these different goals for my life. And I'm not saying those are bad things to do, but I want to challenge your thinking and maybe simplify at least one of the goals for your life as it relates to the Lord. Uh, I want to give you this thought. Uh, if there was ever anyone that did not have to go to church, it would be Jesus. Can, can I get a witness? I mean, like if you're sinless, you're kind of like, I'm, I'm, I'm accepted. I'm the exception, right? Like I don't have to go. What are they going to teach me? Like, what am I going to get out of what they're going to say that's going to make my life better, right? Uh, and yet Jesus goes to church. Look at Luke chapter 2. Look, if you would, at verse number 21. By the way, uh, parents, a great thing to do is take your kids to church as soon as they're born. <laughs> Look at verse 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named to the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. I want you to kind of go back a little bit. When you look at verse 22, and it says that they came to present him to the Lord, what they're doing is they are going to the temple in Jerusalem. They're going to a special place. Can they not present him in their house? Yes, they could. Could they not have presented him somewhere else? Sure, but there was something special about keeping the custom that God had given them and going to the place with the son that God had blessed them with. And what was that place? It was the temple. It was, in the New Testament form, the house of God, the church. And they went there with Jesus Christ. Look, if you would, he's eight days old. Uh, let's skim down through some of this. Go down, if you would, uh, to verse number uh, 33. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Simeon has all kinds of things that he tells them and reveals to them about Jesus Christ. And they learn that when they are at church. Uh, look down at verse number 34. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy own soul also. Not everything you hear at church is fun. But sometimes you need to know some things. And Mary heard this. This one's not something that was fun for her to hear. Uh, but she would live it out someday that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna. So we learn about Simeon, who, who they, they, they get to encounter at the church, at the temple. And there's this other lady named Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asser. She was of a great age and had lived with her husband seven years from her virginity. 
And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Do you realize you're going to talk a whole lot better as a Christian if you go to the right places? Uh, you know, if you show up to the places where God wants you to be, you'll have a whole lot of good things to say. And Anna left that place differently than how she came. Uh, look down, if you would, at verse 40. And the child grew, that's Jesus, and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, the story's not over yet. Verse 41. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was how old? Twelve years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom, I'd underline that, at least take mental note of that word custom, after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. In other words, they thought he was with them. He wasn't. They looked for him among the family, and they couldn't find him. Verse 45, when they found him not, they turned back. By the way, good thing to do when you can't find Jesus is go back to where you left him. And, and they turned back, uh, the Bible says, again to Jerusalem seeking. And it came to pass after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that were astonished at his understanding and answers. For those that are worried that this chapter will never end, there's only 52 verses, we're almost done. Don't worry. We haven't even read all of it, all right? And if you're behind on your Bible reading, you're welcome. We're, ha- we're catching you up, all right? Uh, uh, verse uh, 48, and his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said to them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. I want to talk about some things that I think you'll see that Jesus encountered that you'll also encounter at church in 2024. There's a lot of goals you can have. Can I give you one just to make life a little simpler as a child of God? Commit to being in the place that God wants you to be. Let's start off with a word of prayer and ask for God's blessing. Officer Valdez, would you open us up in a word of prayer this morning? Yes. Amen. Be seated if you would. I don't know about you, but I, I know a lot of people feel a lot of pressure to. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, if you want help with that, drink green stuff. It'll clean you right out. All right? Uh, you know, some people say, I got I to change my diet. I'm going to read a book a week. These are not bad things. They're, they're not bad at all. I'm going to volunteer at a shelter. Here are, according to Time Magazine, here are the 10 most commonly broken New Year's resolutions every year. Number one, lose weight and get fit. 
That's why gym memberships spike in January and they fall off in March. All right. Uh, quit smoking. Learn something new. Uh, eat healthier and diet. Get out of debt and save money. Some of you are like, preacher, I thought you were going to help me. This sounds depressing right now. <laughs> Spend more time with family. Travel to new places. Be less stressed. <laughs> well, you can't spend more time with family and be less stressed. <laughs> Volunteer. These, uh, I want to drink less. These are all things that people say they want to do. Uh, here's a list of some ridiculous New Year's resolutions. These are real ones. Order every drink on the Starbucks menu. Ew. Ew. Some nasty stuff on there. Uh, flamingo a friend's yard for their birthday. Doesn't even sound fun. Perfect your charcuterie. I can't even say it. Is that right? Charcu- charcuterie. Is that right? Who says charcuterie? Who says charcuterie? Who doesn't care? Okay, all right, let's move on. Write your own Instagram captions. I don't even know what that means. Do people not write their own? I'm not sure how that works. I guess not. Uh, uh, Stop drinking your morning coffee after you brush your teeth. Who's the monster that does that anyways? Host, I don't even know what this means. Host a chicken party. What does that mean? I got chickens in my house. Who wants to come over? Let's have a chicken party. Uh, all right. Uh, treat. Now, these are weird things. I don't, it, I, again, I don't know what they all mean. Treat your car to regular disco car washes. I don't know. I don't know. Be on a first name basis with your regular DoorDasher. That sounds like a good one. Uh, let's see here. Uh, see how many times you can watch your favorite series back to back in one year without getting bored of it. Mm, no, thank you. Bring up, I don't know what an Enneagram is. I don't know what that is. Is that bad? Good. Bring up your Enneagram number any chance you can and get friends to find out their number. These are things that people legitimately say they want to do. Now, now, what this all goes back to is this. 4,000 years before Christ, the Babylonians were celebrating New Year's. And they had 12 days of feasting. Kind of where we get that 12 days of Christmas thing. And, and, and they had the 12 days of feasting. And what they would do is they would honor the existing king or they would pledge their loyalty to the new king, and they would have all these feasts, and they would say, listen, any debts that we have, we're going to pay. They would make resolutions going into the new year. The Romans did, it, did this. They took it a step further, and they realigned the calendar and said, okay, January is now the beginning of the year. So 46 years before Christ, uh, Julius Caesar says, we're now going to celebrate January as the beginning of the calendar. And it was named after the god Janus. And the god Janus had this, uh, had this image of a person looking back and a person looking forward. And the idea was you look back at the, the, the blessings of the year and maybe even the failures, and then you look forward to all the things that you say you're going to do. And so what they would do is they would offer up sacrifices to Janus and they make promises of good conduct for the coming year. Sounds like resolutions, right? That's where we get all these things. In 1740, there's a man named John Wesley. And I like John Wesley. I may not believe every doctrine that he believed, but I appreciate John Wesley. You know what he did? He said, you know what? Us Christians need a day where we renew our covenants to the Lord. And so on December 31st and January 1st, they would have what they call watch night services. Anybody heard of that? where they would, they, would, they would run a service that would start on December 31st and run it through the night and make commitments to God and pray the new year in. You say, why? The idea simply is of all the resolutions and all the things that you want to do, where does God show up in any of it? 
There's nothing wrong if you want to advance in your career, nothing wrong with, with moving for an education, nothing wrong with those things. But of all the things that you can plan and look forward to, where's God at in it? Doesn't the Bible say, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you? Isn't God supposed to be first? Isn't he supposed to be central? Uh, listen, as, as a born-again child of God, you should look at the things that God wants you to do and go, Lord, these are things that I want to accomplish by your grace, with your help, for the honor and glory of Jesus Christ. Lord, uh, it's nothing wrong with the other goals, but I want some that are spiritual and lasting and eternal in nature. Let's be honest, guys. Most of our day is wrapped up in stuff that is temporary. We wake up. We brush our teeth. We look at the phone. We, you know, we put on deodorant. You better put on deodorant. But you know, take a shower. You drink your coffee. You eat your breakfast. You go to work. Most of all of what we touch is short-lived in nature. Don't you want something that is eternal in nature to show for the life God's given you on this earth? You know, one way to do that is to say, okay, God, you're first. You know, Zig Ziglar was known for saying, it's not where you start, it's where you finish that counts. I, I, I've heard this before. Anybody in business heard of SMART goals? Specific, measurable, uh, achievable, relevant, and time-bound. You know what Paul said to make it real simple? But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. In other words, the one, now listen, here's a guy that, that went on three missionary trips, wrote seven letters to seven churches, wrote letters to other people, Timothy and Titus, Philemon, uh, maybe Hebrews, there's no speculation about that, but here's this guy that wrote all these books in the Bible, three missionary trips, countless souls saved, led people in seed Caesar's household of Christ, that's a big deal. Did all of that, and you know what he says to this one thing I do? You know what Paul did? He learned the simplicity which is in Christ. Lord, if I could just learn to walk with you and put you first, everything else you want to do in my life will fall in the right place. Can I get a witness? You ever feel like, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. I got all this stuff to do. And the Lord's like, let's make it simple, and let's focus on just getting closer to me. Let's focus on this one goal. Can I, can I get you to think about this? If God could just say, hey, let's just focus on you being where I want you to be when I want you to be there. Could you do that? Let me read you some statistics about church in America. U.S. church attendance has shown a small but noticeable decline compared to what it was before COVID-19, no doubt. In the four years before the pandemic, average attendance was around 34%. Now listen, the average and a, a US, of U.S. adults that said they had attended church, listen to me, church, synagogue, mosque, or temple of any kind in the past seven, this ain't just, just church, this is everything, all right? Uh, the average has been 30% roughly since COVID-19. Uh, 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 church attendance is down four points among Protestants from 44 to 40%, seven points among Catholics, 37 to 30%. Uh, and there's always different statistics that you could look at. Here's what I want you to understand. The, the amount of the population that's growing fastest is the group that calls themselves religious nuns, not nuns as in N-U-N, but N-O-N-E. In other words, we don't believe anything. You know why that's happened? Because the last generation made church optional. You know what's wrong with, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't buy into that stuff. I don't want to force my kid. You force them to brush their teeth. You force them to go to school. You force them to eat the food that you made that tastes nasty. You force them to do all kinds of things. And then when it comes to church and God, you're kind of like, oh, whatever. 
What do you think? That is the most important thing. Listen, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't always want to come to church. Can, can, can I? I mean, oh, Pastor, you didn't just say, yes, I did. I don't always want to come to church. You say, why? Because sometimes I'm tired. Fill in the blank. Come up with your own excuse. You got them. There's reasons we don't want to come. But I'm going to tell you right now, what one generation makes optional, the next generation says, you know what? If, if my parents made church optional, then Jesus Christ himself is no longer necessary. Do you want to know why in the, the silent generation, that 1920 to 1945, you know why they were 85% of them claim to be Christian and today less than 50% of our do. You want to know why that is? Because we said the things of God don't really matter all that much. And now we're reaping the consequences. You know what? You want to say, oh, we need to make uh, uh, Colorado safer. You know how you can make Colorado safer? Win people to Jesus Christ, bring them to church. Amen. We got to pass laws. Pass all the laws you want. You are not going to stop the train that's on the track right now. Going down the road, the only thing that can change that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your house is not safer. Your children are not safe. Nothing's safer than it was 50 years ago. Are you kidding me? Man, the world is the, the worst place. The only thing that can change it for the good is Jesus Christ. Yeah, listen, you look at all the statistics on crime and everything else, you know what it points to? It points to broken down uh, families. It points to a society that has no structure. You know where a lot of that goes back to? Uh, and, and listen, I'm not even saying they were all saved, but back in the 40s and 50s, you go, oh, you're going way back there? That's old-fashioned. Life was safer back then. People had higher moral quality back then. You could leave your door unlocked back then. You don't can't do that stuff today. You know why? You are living in a society that has no moral fabric. I mentioned it in Sunday school. I'll say it again. If our country went through the Great Depression like we did 100 years ago, there would be chaos and murder and robbing and looting in the streets. It would be a mess. You didn't have that back then. You know why? They had character. You know why? Because they believed that book. And many of them worshipped. Not even all of them were even saved. But they knew there was something special about going to church. You say, well, I don't need to go to church. Okay, you don't, but Jesus did. Amen. Explain that one. You get to the judgment seat of Christ if you're a child of God, and you make church optional, and you stand there and go, well, I just really, I was busy. Oh, really? I was kind of down here for 33 and a half years, three and a half of which was the only time that I got to live out my ministry. I was kind of busy, too, trying to save the entire world. Right. And I made time for church. You know, Jesus Christ, I think it's interesting that he's born and immediately his parents take him to church. And you read about, about his life at eight days old and you read about his life at 12 years old and then not again until he's 30 years old. You say, why is that? I don't, I, I, I'm not gonna give you all the answers. I can tell you this much though. The Lord highlights for us the need for us to be where he's called us to be. And when Jesus lived out that human experience, you know what he's showing us? The pattern for life itself. Are you saved? You ought to make a commitment to be where God wants you to be. You know what? I, I'll tell you what. I'm going to use this term, and I, I know some of you may not like it. You know what's not sexy? Discipline. You know everybody wants the razzle-dazzle, the catch at the one-yard line. You know what they don't show you? The hours and hours and hours, and, and the guy, that guy spent jumping and doing drills. And, that doesn't get on the highlight reels. You know what gets on the highlight reel? That one second. Right? So, so, so going to church, there's nothing sexy about it. There's nothing exciting about it. Oh, it's just church. Listen, the mundane and the things that God wants you, the disciplines that God wants to put in your life, they are there to help you to get where God wants you to go. 
to become what God wants you to be. Can I say this, number one? You, you know what Jesus encounter? you know what you're gonna encounter as well if you come to church and make it a part of your life? You will learn that consistency is a good thing in your life. Uh, look at verse number 22. Uh, notice that, that Mary is following, in verse 22, the law of Moses. Uh, look at verse number 23. As it is written in the law, of the Lord. Uh, you say, what are they doing in verse number 24? They're keeping the sacrifices in the law of the Lord. You say, what is that? It's just the things that are kind of pattern set. And so God set the pattern and I'm supposed to follow in that pattern. L- let me just tell you, I-, I can imagine, you know, parents today, they say, my kids really need Jesus. No, parents, let me tell you, your kids don't, you do. Right. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph? We really need to go to church. Why? Jesus really needs it. <laughs> I mean, talk about a weird conversation, right? I, I, I know, I can, in my mind, there, there's all kinds of things I think about. I think about Jesus being the worst older brother in the world to have. Because right. every time you do something stupid, your parents are like, why can't you be more like Jesus? <laughs> That's how my mind works, you know. You know but, but imagine the, the parents talking about what they're, why they're going to church. And Mary and Joseph, looking at this, the sinless son of God. You know what they're saying? We still want him to be around all of this. Can I, can I point out, Jesus does not even acknowledge his heavenly father until he's in a place called church. Reading the scriptures. You want God to reveal things to you? Open that book and come where he wants you to be consistency is a good thing. You know what people want all the, all the time these days? New. I don't know about you. I'm kind of tired of new. I am. You know what, you know what I was used to? I'm, I'm showing my age here. I, I was used to going to the, the grocery store and they would say paper or plastic. I'm old enough to remember in the 80s when plastic was going to save all of us. Because the trees were being destroyed. And when the trees are destroyed, we can't breathe anymore. Uh, you know, they're, they're saving us. And so we had to save them in return. And so we saved the trees and we made plastic. And now plastic's the devil. <laughs> and, and now if you ask for plastic, they look at you like, you monster. <laughs> you ever gone to Whole Foods or one of those stores, you know, and it's like plastic. They're like, really? You're one of those, huh? <laughs> you know, like, like that's where we're at. Can, can, can I say it like this? In regards, I miss the olden days of customer service. I, I miss going somewhere. It's like, now you go to the, to the counter and they're like, what do you want? <laughs> um, hi, how are you? Good, what do you want? And it's like, well, it's so good to be here. And I'm gonna get, And then after I give you my money, the stupid box is going to say, how much of a tip do you want? Zero! <laughs> Where's that button at? <laughs> you, you know, listen, th- there's some things that, that were set that are not all bad. Some traditions are good. I recognize tradition can also be bad. I get that. But some traditions are good. Can I give you one that's really good for you as a Christian? Come to church. Real quick, show of hands, how many of you got saved because you came to church? Raise your hand if you were. Kind of a big deal, wouldn't you say? You want to cut that out of your life? Well, I'm saved now. You think that's the end of your life? Well, I mean, I can just watch on you. God did not say, I want you to gather in front of the screen. Amen. I get this. We stream. There's folks that are sick. But Brother Steon and Miss Megan are probably watching this right now because they couldn't make it this morning because they just had a baby. I'm thankful for that. But that's not God's first order and plan for your life. God's plan for your life is for you to be assembled together with God's people. 
It will be a benefit to you. The consistency, you know what God says? I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. There's a blessing that's found in consistency. You know what that says in, in, in a nutshell in Malachi? God's saying, I will not change my mind. I will not one day wake up and go, you know what? I said you were saved, uh, 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 Tony, but you know what? I don't like you today. You're going to hell. Uh, you know what? Uh, I, Felix, I don't like the way you dress it. There, you're going to hell. I, I'm thankful I don't have a God that changes and makes emotions decision, uh, decisions emotionally. He makes uh, decisions based on truth and on his character, and part of his character is consistency. Aren't you glad that God doesn't just wake up and change his mind about everything he's told you? I'm thankful for that. You know what God is? He's consistent. He's eternally consistent. He's the I am. <laughs> He's not the I was or the I will be. He's the I am. <laughs> he is consistently God. I want you to go with me. To, go to the first book of the Bible. Look at Genesis chapter 49. Genesis 49. You know what I've learned? I don't want to surround myself with talented people. You know what I really want? People that are consistent. There may be some churches that have more talent. Great, knock yourself out. I want consistent people. It's great when they have both, but I'll tell you what, I'll take consistency over talent any day. Uh, listen, uh, when you, you need to understand this. One of the blessings of doing things you don't want to do is it helps you maintain stability in your life. I'm sorry. Some days you wake up, I don't know, maybe you ladies aren't this way. Guys don't always want to brush your teeth. You know, I know it's gross, right? Well, it starts when they're little and just, you know, 40 some years old. I'm like, oh, I'd like to do that because it's good for you. L listen, there are some things, I'll be honest with you. There are times like pizza, kale. <laughs> <laughs> well, those are only two choices. In the illustration right now, yes. You know what I want? I want this. I want this so bad I can taste it. The dough rolled up like that. You can open the dough and put honey in it. Bojo's Pizza, anybody ever been there before? Put that pe the pepper on there with Parmesan and honey and whatever. Oh, kale. And if you want to make a kale pizza, that is blasphemy. Those things do not mix. Okay? Now, you know what I ought to do every once in a while? I ought to go for the kale. I would go for the quinoa salad. I go, you say, why? Because it's good to eat something that, that, that's, that, that grows out of the ground every once in a while. It's good to eat something that wasn't made in a factory. Yeah. It's good for you. Listen, but I don't want to do that. Listen, give kids a choice of gummy bears and ice cream for breakfast over, you know, like, like real food. Listen, I bought, I, where is that box of cereal? Is it? Okay. I bought Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer cereal. And it's got the marshmallows with chemicals blistered all over it. And it's like, my, I know my kids want some, but they go in there and they're like, mom's eyes are always watching. <laughs> and I don't know, this is how guys think. I and mean, the kids are up and you got get out of the house real quick. It's like, hey, have some cereal. Mom's like, but they need protein. I'm like, go eat some dirt, man. Dude. <laughs> I don't know, but... You, you know what the point is? The, the point is, you, you give a boy the option of brushing his teeth or not. He's not going to brush his teeth. It's going to stink. Man, I'm going to tell you right now, there are times, and I'm not trying to pick on them, but boys are different than girls. 
And there are times in the morning where no one's really done anything, no one's sweat, no one, nothing's happened, and you just walk in the room like, ooh. <laughs> ooh, de boy. <laughs> Let's get that fragrance. You, you say, what do you need to do? Take a shower. Put on deodorant. I don't want to. doesn't matter. You need to. Can, can I just say there's some things in your life reflect back to the nature of God? You know what he is? He's consistent. Do you think God, let's, let's, let's level with each other for a moment. Do you think God always wants to favor you? Do you think God always wants to express his love towards you after some of the things that you've done? Do you know why God continues to do it? Because of his word. He made a commitment to you through Jesus Christ. And he said, no matter what you do, if you're a child of God, no matter what you do in this flesh, He's going to honor his word and love his child. I sure am glad he's not like me. You know what he is? He's consistent. You know what I learn about people that are constantly making decisions emotionally? Their life is like this. Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure about this. I don't know. It's like, well, here's what the Bible says. Oh, yeah, I know, but I just, I'm not sure. I just, 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 what, what is, but, but let's find truth. Yeah, I know, but in my circumstance, listen, you're not the exception you think you are. Jesus was the sinless son of God and he went to church. Are you getting the, the parallel here? He was consistent, even though you could make the argument, he didn't have to go. You know, he would say, I, no one's making me, I want to go. You know, he says later on in his life, no man takes my life from me, I lay it down. Look at Genesis chapter 49, look at verse number three. You know what this is? This is Jacob, the patriarch, putting his, his blessing on his children. Look what he says about Reuben. Reuben, thou art my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity. Look at all these qualities, man. Strength, excellency, dignity, the excellency of power. Look at verse four, unstable as water. Thou shalt not excel. Well, you got stability, you got, you got strength, you got might, you got power, but you're unstable. And the re- one of the reasons as a child of God you're unstable is because you make decisions based on how you feel. You don't always feel like reading your Bible. Read it anyways. You don't always feel like being a witness for Jesus Christ. Do it anyways. You don't always feel like going to church. Go to church anyways. You say, why? Because it's good for you to have it. This generation has lost the eye. Don't talk to me about how I don't know about this. Some of you don't know me. I don't just pastor church. I run a business. Guess what, guess what the business is? It's recruiting. You know what I do all day long? I talk to grown men that can't keep a job. And you know what the problem is? They didn't have a dad that said, tough luck, son. You're going to do it anyways. They didn't have someone that said, I don't care that it's 20 degrees outside. Bundle up and feed the animals. But you know what you need? You need some consistency in your life. Because the world's going to tell you, it's going to give you every easy button for you to get out of it. You know what God says? God says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together as a man or some is. You know what Reuben does? And he goes on to talk about what Reuben does. Reuben responded emotionally to a situation and took his father's, one of his father's wives. And he goes, you're unstable. I can't trust you. I'm not going to have you turn there, but you know what happens in a certain uh, situation where Joseph was in Egypt. Remember the story of Joseph being in Egypt? His brothers find him. And then, and then Joseph finds out that there's a surviving brother, a blood brother of his, a direct full brother. It was, it was Benjamin. And, and, and so they got to go back and bring Benjamin to Pharaoh's uh, second guy in charge. That's Joseph. They didn't know it was Joseph yet. And, and so you know what Reuben says? If, uh, if I don't come back with Benjamin, kill my two sons. How about this? How about we kill you? 
So, so you know what the problem is? Emotional. Oh, if I don't, you know what Judah does? He handles it the right way. Uh, if he doesn't make it back, I'll take his place. I'll stay in jail. You see the two? They bo- on the surface, they kind of look good, but one is completely emotionally charged, and it's not sensible. God didn't want your sons to be killed because of your mistake, Reuben. Right. You take the response. You know what that is? Emotional. <sighs> you know what that is? It's the lack of consistency. Right. You know why you have that in your life? Because you don't think it's a big deal. I'm going to tell you right now, I don't know anyone that's successful in business or otherwise that doesn't have some consistency in their lives. Right. And you know what? It's not what you can do once that matters. It's what you do consistently that makes a difference. I'm taking this job. I'm walking out of the relationship. I'm ignoring my kids. I'm ignoring my husband. I don't feel like going to church. You know what all that is? Just your own spirit spewing things out instead of saying, okay, Lord, what do you want? Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Look at Luke chapter 2. Go back to Luke 2 real quick. Let me show you a couple things here. There's a word custom. I told you to look out for it. Luke chapter 2. Can I, can I say one of the greatest things you could do in 2024 is look at the things that cause you to be unstable and withdraw yourself from those things and those people. You know what will bring stability in your life? It's Sunday morning. If someone were to look at you and go, man, I know this much. If, if robbers were, were watching my house, they would know the best time to come is Sunday between this hour and this hour. And Wednesday night between this hour and this hour. You know why? Because they know I'm not home if they're watching. Now you say, why is that? That's a custom. That's a tradition. You say, all traditions are bad. That's not true. Some traditions, Paul says, to hold fast under certain traditions. Hold on to them. Don't just let them go. Because what we let go right now in this generation, you say you care about the next generation. You don't care about them if you don't make this a priority. Right. Listen, guys, the Bible says the pillar and ground of the truth is the church. According to what Paul says, under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God in his letter to Timothy, it is or it is not what God said it was. I believe it is. Luke chapter 2, look if you would at verse 27. Luke chapter 2, verse 27 Notice at the end of the verse, to do for him after the custom of the law. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 42. Verse 42. When he was 12 years old, they went to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Can can I give you one more place? It's not in this chapter. Look at Luke chapter 4. Just two chapters to the right. How big of a deal is it? Well, it's a big deal to God. You go, oh, well, that was just when Jesus was a kid because kids need church. (laughs) I'm sorry, I got more wicked the older I got. I was far more innocent when I was younger. I need this. You need this. I love it when some some church goes, you know, not your grandma's church. Buddy, you could use your grandma's church. Grandma could pay her bills on time. Grandma could balance the budget, could raise kids that weren't running around the streets at night. Grandma had some knowledge and wisdom. You know where she got it from? From church. Look at Luke chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse 16. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. This is talking about the life of Jesus as a man. And as his custom was, as a grown man, where'd he go? Hmm. Well, I thought you kind of got over that once he started his ministry. Not according to that. So you think Jesus, the, you think you're going to get to heaven and stand in front of him if you're a child of God and go, well, you know, I had this going on. The kids had, you know, this sport, and, and, and uh, I had family, and, you know, we got, we just, stuff happens, you know, Lord. You know how it is. The Lord's like, yeah. I know how it is to carry the burden of sin for the entire world on me, and I made time for it. Yeah. That's good. 
You go, oh, preacher, you're just trying to preach. No, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you understand that, listen, the Jews had not just synagogue every Saturday, uh, every Sabbath, but they had the Passover, the Feast of Pentecost, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the, the Feast of Tabernacles. You think you're going to stand in front of God and say, uh, Lord, I just didn't have time. He's going, yeah, you binge, with, uh, you, you binge watched on Netflix. You scrolled for this much time. You did this with your time. You watched. You know, all of a sudden, I'm not saying it was all bad, but look at all the time you wasted. You don't have time because you don't want to make time. As my friend Jason Murphy says, people do what they want to do. I know this. There was a game on last night. And it literally aged me by like 20 years. And, and you know, don't, don't worry about who it was or what it was. I'll just say my team won. That's all that matters. And... Uh, you know what I did? Check this out. I watched it. And, and, and it was a long game. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like almost in overtime. Like 20 some seconds left. <laughs> I made time to watch that game. Man, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. Got, you know, wife and six kids. And the two older ones, boy, they're a handful. The little ones are easy. It's the older <laughs> ones. And, and you know, you've got a farm, have a church, run a business. I made time. You know why? I like it. You know, I think God wants us to get to a place where we like what he likes. He likes this. You know what you might encounter in 2024 if you made this one of your goals? You might encounter consistency is a good thing for you. I read a story about a pastor's daughter who said it kind of broke her heart. She went through a situation where her dad was the pastor, obviously. It was his job to be at church. And one day he resigned. <laughs> you put it in, in air quotes, a.k.a. he got fired from his job as a pastor of the church. And she said, surely, I was a teenager. She goes, surely, I thought if there was ever a way for us to get out of church, this was it. She said, the next Sunday, <laughs> I wasn't dressed for church. My dad comes to the room and goes, what are you doing? She's like, well, what do you mean? You don't have your job anymore. Yeah, but we're going to go to church. Mm -hmm. She said, we didn't go back to that church, <laughs> but we found a church. Yep. She goes, you know what that stuck with me? She said, that stuck with me for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. When I was a college kid and I had the chance to just do my own thing, I went to church for the first time on my own at 18 years of age. And she said, I'd never quit. And she said, it breaks my heart watching my contemporaries, my friends, kind of treat this whole entire thing that God put in place as an option. Yeah. Can I say this? Salvation, if you treat it as an option, you go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. You go, I don't need Jesus Christ. Let me say this. When you stand before God, he's going to compare you to a sinless man. And it, you, don't have, you know what your options are? Heaven or hell. Jesus or you pay your, Jesus paid the debt for you, or you pay it yourself. You say, what is it? Those are your only options. I'm thankful church isn't that way. I don't lose my salvation if I don't go to church, and neither will you. But can I say this? When you treat church that way, you're missing out on everything God wants for you. Can I say this? You'll find some other spirit-led people when you go to church. I didn't say perfect people. I, I love how people are like, you know, I went to church one time. You know what they did? You know what makes you want to do? I went to Starbucks one time. They got my name wrong. 
It was Adriana to the Adrian. <laughs> I am never going back to Starbucks for the rest of, uh, come on. I would love for someone to go, I don't work anymore. Oh, really? Why don't, why don't you work? Are you disabled? No, no, no. They just treat me bad once. <laughs> they didn't value me, so I don't go to, I don't work. Okay? It's interesting how we treat church, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's kind of crammed in there, you know, and they're on the side of a bank, kind of weirdos, you know, and they sing songs, and they raise their hands, kind of strange people, and I just don't know if I want to, you know, can I just say this? You're not going to, quit looking for perfection where you don't even have it in your own life. Well, look in the mirror for a moment and remind yourself you're not perfect. And there needs to be a place where imperfect people can come to help them in their walk with God. You know what you'll find, though, at church? Spirit-led people. Look at Luke chapter 2. Can I point this out to you? Uh, Notice when Simeon comes to church, Luke chapter 2. Look, if you would, at verse 25. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Look at the end of the verse. Waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Look at verse 26. And it was revealed unto him by who? Look at verse 27. And he came to, how did he come to the temple? By the what? Can I I just say this? You are not going to find perfect people, but you will find spirit-led people there. Simeon and Anna were there, and they were able to see Jesus Christ. Why? They were led by the Spirit of God. Listen, spirit-led people are willing to hear some hard things. Look at verse number 35. You think Mary wanted to hear that? Not at all. But she was led by the Spirit to be there. Revelation from God comes through the Spirit of God. Simeon and Anna both got to meet Jesus Christ. Why? Because they were led by the Spirit of God. And can I point this out? Look at verse 38. Anna leaves differently than she came. Nothing wrong with coming as you are, but you ought to leave differently than you came. You know what Spirit-led people do? They go to church. You say, well, let me just say it this way. There's a Spirit that will attract you to get you out of church. And it's not God's Spirit. We say, well, preacher, I don't know that this is the church where God wants me. Okay, then find that church. I didn't say this is your church. I don't know if it is or isn't. I can't tell that. God has to show you that. But I'll say this. If it is, be here. And if it's somewhere else, be there. But don't hide behind the excuses that modern Christians hide behind. In that someone hurt me. This happened. Listen, if God put you there. I love it when someone comes to church and they go, God brought me to this church and there'll be nothing that takes me out of here. Some kid bites their kid nursery and they're gone. Okay, did God's spirit lead you out? Yes, through the biting of my child. I mean, come on, guys. When are we going to get to... Listen, there, there are people that actually believe in things and they have conviction and they stand by them and they're wrong and they stand by them. How about children of God say, God called me to be his child and the way that God feeds me and nourishes me and grows me and matures me and changes me is through the preaching and teaching of God's word in a local church. Joshua had the spirit of God on him. Gideon had the spirit of God on him. John the Baptist did. Zechariah did. Peter did. Look at Acts chapter 4. I want you to see this. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. We don't need new programs. We just need spirit-led people. So we need a building preacher. I'd like that, but you know, we don't even need that right now. You know, we need spirit-led people. Look at Acts chapter 4. Look, if you would, at verse... Listen, I'm just going to say it like this. If right now in your mind you're thinking of why this is not the right message for you, then the problem is you're looking for a reason to get out of what God's trying to show you. Now, if you're here and you've never been born again, some of this is like... Why would I even want to come to church? 
I'm going to say it like this. Once you get saved and the Spirit of God is inside of you, there should at least be a desire to be where you can be fed spiritually. I'm not saying you hit the mark 100%. None of us do. But there ought to be something inside you that goes, man, I need this. Have you ever gone to the gym? Let's say you haven't been to the gym in six months, and you go to start lifting weights, and at first it's like, yeah! I'm just looking over here, this section right here. Yeah! Yeah! You lift, bro? You lift? Yeah. And then the next day comes, and you're like, Kind of look like a world leader, you know, kind of like, <laughs> what do I do with my hands? <laughs> right. Do you realize you wouldn't feel that way if you went every day? The reason you feel that way is because you did it once. And you're like, it doesn't work for me. <laughs> It'd be like going to school for one day and be like, well, I don't know if this is for me. <laughs> you, you know how it's going to work? When you consistently do it. And, and when you submit to the Spirit of God, you'll be led. These people were led to the temple by the Spirit of God, literally. Can I tell you, there's a different spirit that says, just stay home and watch the game. You got laundry. You got yard work. You have a dirty car. You've got too many kids. Surely there's something to do with your children. Besides sitting in church. And the Spirit of God says, yeah, but when you're dead and gone, you know what they're going to remember? My dad walked with God. Acts chapter 4, look if you would at verse number 31. When they had prayed, the place was shaken. You know what God needs to do with some of your lives? Shake some things up. Can I point out that the they there is believers and the place is where they're gathered together for the purpose of worshiping God, knowing him? When they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the word of God with what? Look at down at verse number 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all all. Do you know why that happened? Because they were assembled together. Let's be honest. You know what this does for you if you're a child of God? It gets you going. Sometimes you ever, ever feel like you're on, kind of on fire when you're here? Yeah. Take that, that charcoal. I know, I don't know how many people actually grill with charcoal anymore, but take that charcoal <laughs> off that grill. It's red hot. It's almost so hot it's white. You ever seen that? Yeah. And you take it and you put it over here by itself turns cold and useless. Yeah. It's only good when it's in the fire with everybody else. God designed this that way. He said, I want you to be spirit-led. I don't want you to make your decisions based on your own flesh and your own mind. And what? Well, the question is, what spirit is leading you? It's not even about, listen, if you go, well, I, you making it a law, pastor. I've got to be, no, no, no. You get to come. <laughs> I get to come. <laughs> 
Listen, the Bible says of Jesus, he was led up of the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted. In Luke 4, it says the same thing. In Romans 8, it says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In Galatians 5, but if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. This is not about law and legalism. It's about the liberty that's in Christ to grow and know him and become more like him. And you can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. I need this. You need this. It's not about the law. It's about the freedom to move and follow that which will, will, will enrich your walk with God. You know what's out there? Anxiety, depression, addiction, brokenness, hopelessness. You know what you find here? You find hope, you find restoration. God designed it that way. You see why? When you are willing to be led by His Spirit instead of your own. I had someone tell me one time after they left church, I think because they were trying to, I don't know, maybe, maybe they were set with me. I don't even know. We've never been better. <laughs> okay. Okay. L- let me tell you this. I know from that book that's not true. Yeah. You can say whatever you want to. I'm going tell you right now, some of you doing, you're taking this for granted. Yeah. And you need to repent. You know what some of you need? Some of you need to go through a real trial in your life. You need to go through what Cindy's gone through. You need to go through what Miss Lenny's gone through. Losing a loved one, finding out you have cancer. You need to go through that and then just go, I have no church. I'm doing this on my own. Good luck. And you'll realize, man, I had something I did I took for granted. There are literally millions of Christians around this world that wish they could do what you're doing. And you spoiled American Christians take it for granted. And I'm one of you. I've taken it for granted as well. And I'm telling you right now, you know what we ought to do to start this year off the right way? Lord, sorry. I complain about the music. I complain about this. Complain about that. Complain about the preaching. Went too long. I don't know about the other, blah, 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 blah. And Lord's like, when are you going to say thanks for this? I don't know about you, but at my house, if the kids pull up to the table and like, oh, this? (laughs) (laughs) I think we go, oh, this? (laughs) (laughs) Do whatever you want in your house. It's fine. I'm not telling you what to do. But I can tell you right now, they won't say that again. You say, why? Because when someone goes through the trouble of putting a meal together for you, you say, thank you. Ariana was here over the holidays, and she made the meals, and it was a real help to mom. And, and uh, we said, hey, make sure you say thank you. You say, why? She made the meal. Well, it's not my favorite. I don't care. Yeah. Not that they ever said that, but if they had said that, I would say, I don't care. Yeah. They took the time to make... You know, you know, not every time you come to church is going to be like razzle-dazzle and I'm on the mountain. It's the best service I've ever been to. Man, everyone's great. They're awesome. The nursery was quiet. The music was great. You folks are sitting in the back. God help you and bless you. I know some weeks it's challenging. I get it. But man, oh man, I tell you what. Listen, when you come here, I say, Lord, thank you. Something was ready. Lights were on. Doors were open. Church was clean. There was a word preached. There was a message given. There were some songs that were sung. Lord, thank you. Lord's looking for some spirit-led people. You know what you'll find if you come to church? It's the right spirit leading you there. Can I say this? And this may sound real simple. You know what you're going to find at church? Sinners. Hypocrites. People that are a mess. That's all true. That's all true. Look back at Luke chapter 2. I find messed up people at church. Yep. I find people with anger management issues at church. 
just want to be clear. I wasn't looking at anybody that's over there. You find people, listen to me, who are unstable like Peter. But you know what else you find? Look at verse number 46. It came to pass after three days, they found him. You know what you find at church? You find Jesus. You know what Joseph and Mary figured out? Jesus isn't always with the company that I'm with. Jesus isn't always on my timetable. Amen, amen, amen. Jesus doesn't always have my priorities. You know, I I spent probably the first 10 plus years of our married life going, where's my wallet? Where are my keys? I lost them all the time. You know what, really, I, I love it too when, when I, I thank God for a, a wife that knows and helps me, but you know what she'll say sometimes? She'll say, well, where did you leave it last? <laughs> you know what my answer is? If I knew, I would have it. <laughs> you, you, know what, you know what Mary and Joseph did? They left Jesus at temple. You know what they did? They went back to church. And they said, hey, there's something really important to us. We can't replace him. I mean, can you imagine that conversation? Mary and Joseph, right? You know, oh, you know the halos and all that stuff. You know, there's a conversation about the no room in the end. That must have been a good one. Here's another one. Joseph, I have the other kids. You have Jesus. <laughs> and can you imagine Joseph's response? But he's not even mine. <laughs> right? Can you imagine how this would have gone? And, and they're arguing on the way back. You said, why did it take them three days? Probably because they're fighting the whole way back. I don't know. <laughs> Truth is, when you leave Jesus at church, you might have to go back to find him. Yeah. You know, earlier in the chapter, Simeon says in verse 30, mine eyes have seen thy salvation. This is what you miss out on when you're not at church. He gets to see salvation in a person. Mary and Joseph found him. You know what the disciples did after the, after the resurrection, after they had all failed and Peter had denied him and Judas had betrayed him and they all forsook him and fled and everything was a mess. You know what they did? They found themselves back together. The 11, not the 12. Judas is gone. And the 11 are back together. What, what do you think that conversation would have been like? Uh, I wouldn't have left if you guys would have stayed. But I saw you run, so I thought maybe I should run too. I mean, awkward. Talk about a silent church meeting. Uh, who wants to open up in prayer? <laughs> I can't even do it right now. Right? right? right. You read the Bible, don't think about it. Here's these grown men, fishermen, tax collectors, and this hodgepodge of people, and they're gathered together after the resurrection. They all messed up, and they know it. And the only one that was there the entire time through the entire crucifixion is John. And so they're there, and everyone's just staring at John. And John's like, what? Well, what's going on, guys? <laughs> and there they are. And all their dreams were dashed and their hopes were gone. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Right in the midst of that room, John 20. And there's one guy. I was wrong. It wasn't 11, it was 10. There's one guy that wasn't there. You know what his name is? What do you, what do you call him? That's not fair. <laughs> what if I called you like, I don't know, like Road Rage Felix? 
I mean, he looks like he's happy and smiling right now, but there was this one time <laughs> doubting Thomas. He could be called inquisitive Thomas. He's also the guy who goes, Lord, would you show us the way? And Jesus goes, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You wouldn't even have that verse in your Bible if it wasn't for Thomas. But you know what Thomas was that day? Besides the doubting part, you know what he was? He was absent, Thomas. He wasn't there. Can you imagine me and the disciples go, he was here. I saw him. I put my hands on him. I, he was the, the, the one that we, were, that we thought would never come back. He's here. And Thomas goes, if I don't get to put my hands, you say, why? Probably because he's a little bitter. You ever been in that place where like, FOMO, like everyone's having a good time, yeah. and everyone's take it, talking about it, and they say, this is always the best. You know, you get sick on one Sunday. It's the one Sunday you'd ever yeah. miss. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, it was a really good service. Pastor Adrian stopped at like 30 minutes, you know, and <laughs> really, really, you should have been there. And my, my, answer, <laughs> my answer to that is it's recorded. Watch it on YouTube, right? You know, Thomas wasn't there. He missed out. Can I point something out in verse 48? Notice the end of verse 48. Mary and Joseph, you know what they are? They're sorrowful. You know, sometimes you come to church and you know what you are? Sometimes you're bitter. Sometimes you're hurting. Sometimes you're sad. Sometimes you're brokenhearted. I've got good news for you. The Bible says in Psalms 34, the Lord is nigh, that means close, unto them who are of a broken heart. Sometimes you come in here limping and you go, why am I even here? And the Lord reminds you why you came. You know what Mary and Joseph found? They found Jesus. They found Jesus. Can I say this? You'll find out who God intended you to be. I don't think you can do that without a church. You could challenge me after church if you want to show me some verses. I'm just telling you, you don't know Paul without him going to a church called Antioch. I'm going to challenge you on this. If you think, oh, no, 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 you can just live your own life. No, no, no. You, you point to any great person, any great man of God in the scriptures, you're going to find out he was connected. In the New Testament, they're connected to the body. Yeah. Uh, look, if you were to Luke chapter 2, verse 49, look what Jesus says. I must be about whose business? It is the first time he ever references as a human being that God is his father and he's 12 years old. You know what I think happened? I think he got in there and he got in that temple and he was mesmerized by the scrolls and he starts reading them and mom and dad take off and he is enamored with the reading of the scriptures and he starts reading those verses and he goes, that's me. That's me, that's why I'm here. They always treated me different. They always told me that Joseph wasn't my daddy. They said that God was my father. And he starts reading Isaiah chapter 9, and he reads through there. He goes, I, I'm, I'm, I'm the one. I'm the Christ. I'm the son of God. How did he learn that? By going to church. You want to find out who God wants you to be? Be where he wants you to be. You will never learn. Listen, Paul is not Paul without Antioch. And Barnabas is not Barnabas without Antioch. And, and listen, uh, John Mark needed a Barnabas. And Barnabas needed a Paul. And Paul needed a Barnabas. It was all part of God's plan. We are not who we're supposed to be without the body. You want to find your identity? This is the, the issue of our age. Am I a man? Am I a woman? You're, you're who God made you. But beyond that, as a child of God, Lord, what gifts and what abilities and, and what things do you want me to use? Um, I'm going to pick on, on Javen. I am sure when Javen got saved, it was not his dream to do puppets for kids in DBC. You found a, a hidden talent, did you not? <laughs> 
The kids are like, we're not so sure about that. But you know what God does? God unearths things. Listen, I don't want to pick on people, but Brother Ben had a, a situation where he's going through a training, and, and there's guys around him that aren't saved, and some that are but don't know the Bible. He's got a Bible study going on in the hotel room. You say, why? That wasn't him two years ago. It's the Word of God changing his life. And can I point out, they don't exactly live next door to our church. I don't know many people that live two hours away and still make it to church. God bless you guys for that. That, to me, is miraculous. I stand in awe of that, and I know that's the work of God in your life, but it's amazing. James, the man behind the booth over there, he was not the man that he is today 10 years ago. You know what, you know what happened? The Word of God got into him. Being a faithful deacon for a number of years now, Steon. Anybody know Steon? Has he ever talked to you more than two words? Raise your hand. Okay. It's like five of you in the whole building. Great. All right. You know what Steon does? He does not like spotlight at all. You know what he did on Sunday, last Sunday to open up candlelight service? He did a solo. That's not Steon. You know what that is? That's God in him. But you need a church, the vehicle to get you there. Sean, he has always been crazy. But it makes a little more sense now. Because he's crazy for the Lord, amen? amen. And you see, what, what has made him who he is today? Church? Amen. Regardless of who you are, you might be a Paul, you might be a Barnabas, you might be a John Mark, you might be a Ty- Timothy, you might be a Silas. You need this and you're needed. Amen. You know what happens in verse 49 when you find your identity? You figure out your priorities as well. Wish you not that I must be about my father's business. Mom and dad, no disrespect, I love you, but he's first. He's first. His priorities got into place when he figured out who he was. How did he find that? By being in the right place. I want you to understand, I'm not beating you up if you haven't come. I'm not, that's not the point. The point is going forward in 2024. You know one, one thing that could be really simple, Lord, with your grace and your help, if you'll allow me to, and those doors are open, if I'm not sick, put all the disclaimers you want in it. <laughs> Lord, I want to be there. You know what you see here? Look down at verse 51, Luke 2, 51. You want to grow? You want to grow beyond where you're at right now as a believer? You know what it takes? Look at verse 51. He went down with them. This is Jesus t- we're talking about. And came to Nazareth and was subject unto them Look at verse 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in faith. You know what's so peculiar about that, that wording? Look, look back, if you would, at verse number 40. You realize both times those comments are made, it's after he was at church. I'm not trying to make more of this than it should be, but I'm just going to say this. You want to grow and mature as an individual, as a child of God, you know what it's going to take? Being where God wants you to be. Uh, the Bible says in Ephesians, you gave some apostles and some prophets and, and, and some past, uh, evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. We're not there yet. <laughs> under the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. You know what God wants? He wants stability. He wants growth in your life. But you cannot accomplish that on your own. Can I just give you this thought in closing? 
before the dead are raised, before the lame walk, before the blind see, before the lepers are cleansed, before all the great miracles, before Jesus' ministry, he experiences before all of that, and even before his anointing at the baptism, it's clear that his going to the place where God the Father wanted him was instrumental in making him who he was. You want to be who you're supposed to be this year? Follow Jesus. Hang out where he would hang out. Christian, I want to challenge you today. I want to make it simple. Maybe just commit to the place that God has given you as your home. Maybe what God's telling you is you need to join a local church. Maybe what God's saying to you is, hey, you need to commit to something spiritual in your life. I heard this years ago from my former pastor. Casual ties produce casualties in the Christian life. Let's all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to the name of Jesus Christ.